Uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and friends beyond the binary. Hey, patrons, I don't think I'm stretching it out to say thank you so much. Uh, I couldn't do this without you. Uh, what do you say we get on with the show? Uh, hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. We do it the bedtime story. And all you need to do, or all you could do, is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to do the rest. What I'm going, when I say I'm going to do the rest, uh, that means, hey, set your mind at ease. I'm here to help. But I, let me give you some more details. What I propose to do is create a safe place, a nice, smooth, padded-down, safe place where you could set aside whatever's keeping you awake, whether it's thoughts, things on your mind that you're thinking about, those pesky thoughts that, you know, that that get on your mind. They say, oh, boy, Uh, past, present, or future. It could be physical sensations uh, that are coming up for you, or it could be feelings about either one of those things or just feelings that are there on your own. Today, I've got some feelings going, and I really, like, they're more of a, a weather pattern that's come in. And you'd say, Scoots, could you describe those? And I say, eventually I'll describe them. Let me, let me get through this beginning. But I'd say, you'd say, Scoots, could, give me the short version right now, though. I'd say, did you ever watch the show Sesame Street? Like, if, you, if we had to name, like, a, feel, like a feeling front that came in, this would be named Oscar. Because that's how I'm feeling all day long. I mean, not right now, because I get to set that set, set that aside and keep you company, which is nice. So I get a little break right now, break from myself. And that's really what I'm looking to provide to you. So that's why I'm going to send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use lulling, soothing, creaky, dulcet tones, just like when Oscar would open. I don't know. Did, did Oscar's uh, garbage can have a sound effect that creaked when Oscar opened it? I mean, talk about a place I would want to go, like the, the, the like or see behind the behind the scenes. How many episodes were there? Any episodes behind the scenes? Oscar the Grouch's home. Or like uh, lifestyles, there must have been lifestyles of the um, grumpy and filthy or something in the 80s. Or uh, like, uh, what is it called? Check out my crib or whatever. What, like in the, what was that, in the 90s or the aughts? Uh, but anyway, so, so, I'll, don't worry, I'll tell you who Oscar the Grouch is if you're not familiar uh, but that's what I'm here to do is to take your mind off of stuff so you can fall asleep. Now, if you're new and this is totally understandable, you might be feeling a little bit of that grouch or a little bit of the doubt of saying, what is this thing that's supposed to put me to sleep? Who is this person? Like, I'm doubtful. I'm not sure how to feel about your creaky dulcet tones or your mumbling or your pointless meanders. And I'd say that's normal. That's a very normal reaction to this show. And, of course, you're going to be doubtful. I was going to say scoutful, but, uh, you, of course, you'll be doubtful because, you know, you've been trying to fall asleep for a long time, and there's been a lot of things that have said that it would work. Now, this podcast might not work, so that's what, the, that's the good news is that, like other stuff, they say, oh, this definitely will work, or this worked for my Aunt Mabel every night. 
uh, and you see, what was it? A half butterscotch candy and a half root beer ball. Root beer barrel or root beer ball? Oh, I don't know. I'll have to check. Sorry, I guess this isn't helpful then because I don't know which one it was. Do you think they're made up of the same stuff? Yeah, probably. I mean, more than likely. It's just one shaped like a ball and one shaped like a barrel. But I don't know if that's probably not going to work for me because one, I don't have a... What do you, you can't, how do you cut those into half, half, uh, because that, that seemed like, I can't, I can't imagine having to clean up after, uh, and how long it would take me, like how, how much I would procrastinate after cutting a bunch of root beer barrels or balls in half and butterscotch candies. Also, I don't know, I might have to train for that because that seems like it would take a lot of strength. Oh, sorry, I went off topic there again. So that's a pointless to me. Not a, not really a pointless meander, but, you know, that if you're doubtful or you're not sure what you're getting into, that's totally normal. Actually, this podcast takes a few listens to get used to because of a couple reasons. One is this is a podcast you're not really listening to. It never really gets started. I kind of putter around uh, and kind of say, well, what? like, are there root beer balls? There's got to be. But I can see why they would say, after you say root beer balls a few times, you start to giggle on the inside. So you say, okay, root beer barrel does make more sense. Plus it's kind of, uh, I don't know what you call that, a candy on an onomatopoeia or whatever. And you say, Scoots, what are you talking about? Let's see, it kind of looks like it tastes. Uh, is that what an onomatopoeia, like whatever that thing is? I know some of you are laughing, but... Uh, but, but I'm laughing because I say, well, I don't know. But also, if a candy looks like what it tastes, is there a word for that? I mean, seriously, like, like, uh, get somebody from Lexicon Valley over here, please. Uh, or Helen, somebody, I, I need a, like a phone where I can call Helen, uh, from the illusionist and say, I'm going to, I'm going to have to get a hold of her on this one. This is, this feels really important. Uh, so anyway, what was I saying? It went off topic there and, uh, now I got mixed up. So, oh, so, oh, so if you're new, you might not like the show because it, it's, it's hard to adjust to a podcast you don't really listen to. And that never really starts. It just goes on and on and on. And you say, well, I don't know how to listen to it. And I say, well, barely just pretend you're listening to me. Just like, kind of like I'm talking and you're saying this person's making about 20% cents. Uh, and then you just go with that. You say, uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, root beer. He thought he was going to talk about Oscar the Grouch or something else that he already forgot. Oh, he's uh, something else. Yeah. So just see how it goes. So that's one thing. Give it a few tries. That's not for me. That's for you. And I realize that's a big ask, but it's really just so that you could fall asleep and not listen to me. So I'm just asking to listen a few times to see if the podcast works in the sense that you stop paying attention to me. Uh, but that's just like what thousands and thousands of people that have reviewed the show have said. The other thing that's different is this podcast doesn't really put you to sleep. It keeps you company while you fall asleep. It takes your mind off of stuff. I'm your companion. You're bore for hire. That's the term I haven't used. You know, just like you say, come on over what were you talking about? That new sleep solution your Mabel had? Can you come over and just talk about that? Do not bring any, but by the way, don't bring any root beer barrels or butterscotch candy. 
and start cutting it up in like my bedroom or my kitchen. No, no problem. I'll just come over virtually. Wow, that's great. And then, so you'll come over and talk to me about stuff like that. I don't have to pay attention to you. You're not really there, so I don't feel any kind of social commitment to to even say no. Yeah, you don't even you could you could say hello. You say hey, Scoots, uh, how you doing? Uh, but you don't really have to mean it. That's the best part about this show. But I and when when you say like in other situations, you'd say, well, shouldn't I feel a little bit uh, of feelings about that? And I'd say on this show, you could feel joy when you say, hey, Scoots, great to see you. Anyway, start talking. No problem. I'll be talking again. And I can feel all the regular listeners, even after they corrected me about on and on or whatever, that they, they're nodding their heads along with that. They say, that's what's great about having a bore for hire. So that's the one thing. If you're new, another thing that really takes some getting used to for some people is the structure of the show. Uh, like, uh, and there's like, I really only have the ability to put this one podcast out and then you kind of use it like people adjust how they use it from there. Uh, but so the show starts off with a greeting, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and friends beyond the binary. And then some, some stuff about our community and stuff like that, because, because I want you to know you're welcome and your experience as a human being is important to me. So I want you to feel seen as a person. Then there's business. The business is what keeps the show there twice a week for free. And there's also business between the intro and the show, just because of the design, because of the way the way way podcast structure is, and just the design of the show. This because then after the business, so business is like at minute six or something. It ends. I don't know. It depends on how good things are going. And then there's the intro, which goes from minute six to minute 22 or so. And that's just a long explanation like we're in the middle of uh, of the podcast for a new listener. But it's different every single time. 900 plus episodes. Well, I don't know if we had the long intro in the first couple hundred uh, maybe the first 150 didn't have a long intro. I can't, I, I don't know. I'd have to look back. But so the idea of the intro is it introduces a new person to the show. But for regular listeners, right, one, they get a chance to correct me or see that I'm not perfect. I mean, it, it, you already knew that. I mean, clearly, come on, let's be adults. I just called something root beer ball, and I can't even pronounce onomatopoeia. onomatopoeia maybe. It feels like I'm still short a syllable. And I do not know what that word means, to be straight honest with you. I'm guessing that I think I know what it means. But I'm also honestly, genuinely curious if there's a word for candies that look like they taste. And you say, what else? Scoots, give me some more examples. I'd say, okay, are you familiar with the candy Runts, R-U-N-T-S? By the way, Willy Wonka Corporation, probably about time to think of a new name for that i'm just not i don't like it but runts uh, the banana looks like a banana tastes like a banana okay scoots give me another example okay i don't know why i'm 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 wonka centric here but i'd say let's say i could think of one the old philip morris candies they don't taste like they look thank goodness but no bottle caps are another one i guess it's more of a punny way 
looks like a bottle cap, tastes like the soda that ideally the bottle cap, kind of like a root beer, cola, I don't know, cherry, lime, I don't know what other flavors there are. So I just wonder if there's a word for that. Probably in, in like industry parlance, they'd say, oh, yeah, that's called a, uh, that we, we found, I mean, again, if I, if Willy Wonk was real, or Charlie, I guess Charlie runs things now. Though they said, somebody sent me a YouTube video that said that Charlie was the one that started that train that went around the world uh, in that movie that got made into a TV show. Anyway, I got to get back to Oh, so, yeah, so just, oh, so the intro that <laughs> went off topic. Uh, the intro goes on and on and on uh, because it, it slowly is supposed to ease you into bedtime for a regular listener. So a lot of regular listeners are getting ready for bed while they're listening to the show and or they're in bed getting comfortable or they're in their bedroom as part of their wind-down routine. So the intro for most listeners, not every listener, I understand you might use it a different way, is part of their wind-down routine as they're easing into bedtime. And that way, then you hear the business, and then you start to hear, listen to the story, and the story goes on and on and on. Tonight it'll be a a famous myth I've uncovered with the help of a team member, and then you fall asleep. Now, that's just one way that the podcast can be used. Again, there's people that listen all night. There's people that started at minute 20 and just listen uh, to the story. There's people that are listening. You know, I'm here to the very end if you can't sleep. So that's another way, or people that turn it on when they wake up. So there's a lot of different ways to listen, but I'm just kind of trying to talk about the, I don't know, just when you're starting out, I guess I'm trying to introduce the podcast in the introduction. So that's a, oh, so then there's the intro, then there's business, then there's the story. I kind of accidentally explained what I was explaining, that worked out. And then, uh, so tonight will be kind of a bedtime story, actually, it will be can't remember what it's about now because I recorded it yesterday. Oh, it's about a, uh, oh, it's about a, a marionette. Uh, she's really cool too. And she has a little bit of a, you know, bedtime story type adventure. Like she me she goes on quite a few meanders. So there's that. Then there's the thank yous at the end of the show. So that's the structure of the show. The reason I make the show is because I've been there. Like I said, last night. Uh, I don't want to get into the details to, to, you know, trip anybody else up, but it's like, it took me a little, like I had trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep, uh, and trouble waking up early. I don't even have that in the beginning, but it's true. And I even tried my famous just lay there, but then there's like a practice that goes on for for some sort of individual sport where they use, uh, anyway, it's right where. I live, and it's a little bit, uh, so then I say, oh, boy, you got to listen to them. But, so, but I did try to just lay there. Then I meditated. Even though even though all that occurred, I woke up uh, on the wrong side. I did get off. Of, I only have, my bed's only on one side because it's against a wall. But as they say, I woke up on the wrong side of the bed. And I would have preferred not to. I would prefer not to have the, my brow, double the old double furrow going to my brow today. Uh, but it just happens. So tonight I'll try to get, try to go to bed earlier or something. But so if, if I can help you get a better night's sleep or get to sleep or just not make it something you dread, because I don't know, for me, if this goes out, then I'll start dreading bedtime and I'll have to kind of switch something up. 
So hopefully I can provide you something where you at least feel neutral about bedtime. If not, you say, well, I got Scoots there, my boar for hire. And uh, I know he's going to be there to keep me company and take my mind off of stuff. So that's one reason. The other reason is you deserve a good night's sleep. We all do. And if you get a good night's sleep, you'll be in a better position not to be grouchy like I am a little bit today, right? You know, it, it kind of it's kind of passing now because it's like three thirty. But yeah, if I can help, that th- that would be my honor. Now I promised I would explain who Grouch Oscar the Grouch is, and I probably have talked about this. So uh, Oscar the Grouch. So there's a show Sesame Street here in the U.S. I don't know if it like. Uh, if there's global versions of it or if it's rebroadcast in other countries, I don't know the answer to that. Also don't know how ubiquitous it is. When I was a kid, it was ubiquitous. Like almost every kid watched Sesame Street. And uh, they're still in the Thanksgiving Day Parade. They still have a float there. So that would say, okay, there's still a cultural touchstone. Oh, what was my point? Um Oh, so who's Oscar the Grouch? Thanks, thanks, Brain. So Oscar the Grouch is one of the big characters on there. Now, I don't really know. Oscar's a being, not a human being, like a like probably a mammal, and Oscar is a grouch. Like, I don't know if they, they call him Oscar the Grouch. Also, he's grouchy, but that may be, I don't know, is that would be his phylum or his, like, a thingamajig, that, other than phylum, his stratum? Uh, but he's he's Oscar the Grouch, and he also lives in a garbage can. Now, in the movie, there was a movie, and he was running around in the garbage can with his legs. I think that was in, like, Let's Find Big Bird, the movie. Or maybe I'm imagining that. But most of the time, Oscar's uh, can garbage can that he lives in, they live in New York City, I believe. Uh, at least as a kid, that's why like, I always wanted to live in... One of the main, many reasons I wanted to live in New York was because I said, well, that's like... We're, like uh, it didn't, no, I did not think that Snuffleupagus and Big Bird and Oscar definitely lived there. They lived in a new neighborhood in New York. But, so, but Oscar's garbage can was his home, and it was kind of like one of those cool things that it was... Uh, like lar- what a, that's another word I don't know. Larger on the inside than the outside, so he could go downstairs. It had multiple floors, and I always oh I loved that. Talk about uh, fan fiction I've never written. Now I wonder because uh, I was talking to my friend Ings, and she was talking about like people like doing drawings of uh, starships, Imperial starships, and then she was talking about people that do the the blow-ups and the blueprints. And then I was talking about the podcast Vast Horizon and the like being like, oh, I wonder if I could see the blueprints for that, uh, for the everything in, in that podcast. But then, what was my point? Oh, I'd like to see, I wonder if there's any uh, blueprints of Oscar's home. Anyway, it's just something I'm interest, <laughs> interested in. But it's the kind of stuff that puts people to sleep. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, that's why I do this. That's why I'm, I'm I'm fairly effective at it, if it works for you. So I'm glad you're here. I really hope the podcast can help. But like a lot of listeners, regular listeners say, they get a lot out of the show. Give it a few tries and see how it goes. you got nothing to lose. 
And if you're grouchy or whatever, I've been there. I've been there just a, a moments ago before I got to sit down and spend some time with you and realize we all get grouchy sometimes, right? We all wake up on the, like, uh, actually, I wake up and I change, I like to change my bed side each, every few hours, but whatever. You know, it's not easy being human or being a grouch. You're right, Oscar. I, I said it. It's not easy being Oscar the Grouch either. I don't know if that wasn't there a book or was that a book I pr- proposed on the podcast? I Grouch, uh, the Oscar the Grouch story. Oh, so anyway, so anyway, I'm glad you're here. I really hope I can help you fall asleep. I yearn and I strive. I work really hard. So uh, yeah, I'm glad you're here. I really appreciate your time. And here's a couple of ways I'm able to bring you this show twice a week. All right, everybody, it's uh, Scoots here, and I have an exciting, We have, well, not exciting, sorry, I misspoke. Uh, I'm uh, proud to present to you a new kind of, uh, you know, like uh, occasional uh, trend, a new way to trend episodes here, uh, which I guess I won't, like, uh, I'm not going to give you, but this one is, uh, oh, boy, is this exciting, like, uh because once again, I have access to someone from across the transverse plane uh, to talk about their myths. Uh, uh, so without further ado, I uh, present uh, D.D. Oh, thank you, Scooter. Yes, my name is uh, D.D. And I'm here to uh, talk to you about the tales and the folk, you know, the like folklore from a place I live, uh, v- v- Venelton, Venelton, and well, not technically. Now these aren't the folks or the myths. I'm researching folks or myths and uh, from things I've collected uh, during my journeys around Venelton, uh, because I say, well, what what can now? Some people would say, are you an am- amateur anthropologist, uh, D.D.? And I would say, well, what's can you can can you get what's the difference? Can can you tell me exactly what the difference between an amateur and a pro is? Am I paid to do this? Uh, believe it or not, I like I guess scooter compensates me. Uh, and uh, so that would make me a pro technically. What if can can you be compensated if you're a figment of someone if you're in the figment of someone's mind, and you're compensated, you are pro. I mean, so I guess I'd like to point that out. And so, but I'm not exactly clear to be honest with you. Like I wouldn't call myself an amateur. Well, I guess I wouldn't call myself a professional anthropologist or archaeologist because. My profession is a little bit different than that. I'm more of a professional. Infer- is there someone that's called an infernologist? I know there's phrenologist, which is someone that feels the things on your, you know, your uh, skull. And I'm an infernologist. I, I infer. I'm, I would say that's my job. I don't know if that's a thing. Maybe I'm the first. Uh, Doctor, you know, if I if it became a degree, you would call me Doctor DD or Triple D. I'd go by Triple D probably at that point. Uh, 
And quadruple E. Yeah, correct. Thank you. Yes, Scooter. Scooter pointed that out. That it's interesting. Triple D, quadruple E, Dr. DD. There's an R and a dot period in there, too, or D O C T O R. Dr. D, whatever that is, an ellipsis. A dash. So I, but I, yeah, because I infer things. Now, I'd say infrologist, uh, the infrologist, not easy to say. And I'd say it's more of a pastime, inferring things. So I'm here in Venelton. Well, I'm here in Scooter Studio. But I want to take you uh, to a place I discovered, a recent cache during my wandering and my meandering in Venelton. I came across a stack of, uh, well, access to myths. And so I'm going to tell you one of the great stories of what I believe when, when, when Venelton's heyday, uh, this was a tale that was told. Oh, was it? It was a tale of the dancing marionette. And uh, it was an important tale because it was one... Because we do, you say your world in Venelton had a, a different uh, connections. Uh, but so, oh boy, was this, now this dancing marionette, her name was Wisteria. And she was a performer in a traveling show for a long, long time. And, and she played roles like, uh, currently she was in the role of a can-can dancer. And she had like a, the, 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 the billowing skirts and the, the uh, I don't know if they, I want to call them boutonnieres, but, uh, whatever you call them that are under your, uh, like if you're wearing a, a, a skirt with many layers, I don't think they're called pant pantaloons, but you know, for, for, like so that when she would a high kick, uh, uh, it looked good. And she had a feather in her hair, short sleeves, because she did so much dancing. And she was, a, of course, in our in, in Venelton, marionettes can be sentient beings. But back in the you know the the, the early days, it wasn't in this stage. They hadn't be you know established. Uh, the union of uh, sentient marionettes uh, as part of a, like like which was a subunion of other sentient things that were once products uh, and you know didn't have their limitations respected and things so she had strengths but she had been in this show for a long time and she had adjusted to her life and found many moments of joy in performances for children and adults. And she was beloved. And though the puppeteer uh, was, it was a complicated thing. You know, she she was well taken care of and prepared for the shows. But then one time, this new person came to the show. It was a wooden boy, and as much as she, like, she just couldn't, she, you know, she was, she was a being, and she had feelings, and this boy, while a wooden boy, claimed that he was once a puppet, but then that he no longer had strings to hold him down, 
And she probably knew, because I know some children would say, well, this is like the story. She, she's here to tell, we're here to tell a myth that she encountered. And I'm sure that boy had its own, the wooden boy had its own myth and went on to its own adventures. But as soon as this wooden boy came in her life, uh, a, a dissatisfaction that had gnawed at the back of her mind, uh, you know, because she was really the founder. Like, the reason we're telling you this myth is because maybe you said, well, I'm going to go to sleep. Tell me the end. Also, Scooter said I would only be compensated if I told you the end early on. Because all will be well. She became the great uh, uh, founder of uh, the, the sentient marionettes union. And, uh, like, you know, a true heroine uh, of, of things. And this wooden boy was the catalyst for her action, not the cause. Uh, and maybe there would have been some other catalyst at another time. But she just couldn't let it uh, go. You know, something that had been deep in the back of her mind. Why do I have strings? Uh, do I have a free will? I, why do I have a knowledge of free will? You know, those kind of things. You know, we don't need to fixate on them because it was merely the spark that sent her on her own journey. For she was expected to perform with this wooden boy who was oh so happy, singing about the lack of string and oh how happy the boy wooden boy was and... Uh, even the boy wanted to talk to her because the boy had had been a, a puppet at some point or a doll or something. I don't know. She she forgot because she was. Uh, she said, "Well, how did you get?" Well, some I was visited by like uh, something or other, wishing upon a star. And she said, "Tell me exactly how it works." She said, "You said, well, I didn't wish upon a star. Someone else did." And then this thoughts about free will started to really, well, who, what do you, this uh, parental figure or something. And she looked at the puppet, puppet master and she said, this puppet master, you know, I'm simply a tool for this puppet master. You know, I'm not, uh, this puppet master is not going to lay in bed at night and dream of my free will. And so she, 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 you know, and the boy said, oh boy, I, you know, I would blah, 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 I met this and this, and I'm uh, like, I'm going to go, uh, and uh, this is, uh, oh, I'm, how I miss uh, this and the, and she said, I'm fed up, don't, please stop talking. And what do you mean? I'm just excited. I want to be a real boy. And she said, well, at least you don't got no strings to hold you down. You keep singing about that. It's getting on my nerves, kid. And so she said, listen, I'm she did apologize before this kid actually set out on its own and headed off, uh, which even did, she was glad she about, she said, listen, I'm just feeling strongly. I'm sorry I'm short with you, wooden boy. Uh, you know, I'm having strong feelings about the fact that you get to go off traipsing around uh, on stage. And and she goes, you know, you know, and you have this new found sense of physical free will. And I have these strings um, that I like I don't even have my own control over. 
Uh, and the boy said, I accept your apology. I understand. Uh, but the boy didn't really understand because he was just a boy. He was just a wooden boy. He hadn't lived in the world yet, and under, you know, like she had. So the wooden boy didn't really know that, uh, you know, what it was like to be a marionette. Uh, and, and later in life, I think the wooden boy did relate to say, oh, well, I know what it's like to be, okay, now I understand. But at this point, she, she, he didn't really understand. He couldn't get it. Uh, and then uh, uh, the boy got away, like it got away. Now, and she thought about this, and she said, "This really, you know, it burns my bridges." You know that uh, she said, "What does that even mean?" I heard it before in the from the audience. Uh, she said, "Maybe it's my bridges that are burning." And then she started to think about it. She said, wait a second, like, uh, if that boy, wooden boy, had no strings to hold him down, he was celebrating that. What if I celebrate the opposite? And, you know, the, this puppet show with the boy with no strings had gotten quite acclaimed. So the puppeteer was very devastated that he no longer had access to this boy and he started buying all sorts. And actually, believe it or not, though the puppeteer was not well-known, was a bit brusque. The puppeteer did start like a layer of a, a level of uh, innovation that would eventually be taken up by other puppete- puppeteers. Uh, and so this puppeteer started buying more and more tools to try to create the illusion of a dancing puppet. Uh, without the, the strings, uh, it, like using sticks painted black and like uh, more uh, black velvet, and started with with uh, with, uh, with our heroine, Wisteria. Uh, just started like making alternation alterations uh, to her back. Uh, where he could, we could put wooden dolls in uh, to make her move. But it wasn't successful, but always Wisteria paying attention for at the same time she was calculating, well, if I could find a way to use my strings to hold me up, I've got lots of strings to hold me up, uh, I could find a way to get out of here too, just like that boy did, the wooden boy. I'll find a way to get out of town. And she was also frustrated, and at night she would lie out and look at the window and whatever the boy had told her about, uh, I don't know, uh, sprites or fairy godparents or, uh, you know, powers and crickets. Uh, She didn't have any of that. She just had the night sky and the moon and the stars. And for, for for many months as she was working on her plant, she would let those moons and stars let them know how she felt about them. And using terms like razafrazin, friggin' margin, zizin, you know, she, she would say it and she would hold the strings in her mouth uh, that held her fist up so she could shake her fist uh, 
at the moon and the stars because she would lay down where she would be laying after the performance. And she, so she, she would lay there and for a while she would lay blast, blast, and blast. And, uh, and she even she saw a couple of shooting stars and she said, what do I wish upon a shooting star, or regular star? I don't even remember. And like, she would make wishes, uh, I wish you didn't shine so bright, you silly star. And hey, moon, take it from me. Like what next time you go, like, uh. You slowly slip into darkness. Don't come back uh, unless you're going to help me get it. You know, why would you make, what, what, you know, very, very tough times. Uh, and I said, I said to myself, uh, you know, as I'm looking at this myth and uh, speculating on it, you'll say, inferring things. I say, one thing I would infer is like, oh, the times couldn't have been easy in Vindleton, you know. If this was one of their famous myths, uh, but you have to know that the myth was being told to children. So you say, well, it's going to be okay, isn't it? Uh, and uh, you, say, well, you say, well, what elements do you think uh, Wisteria would need? And you say, well, she has her determination. Will she need some assistance? Will it have to be cosmic assistance or something else? Uh, well, one day she, uh, she, she, after many months of developing, using her mouth and her teeth to do things, uh, she started to find, she started to collect things that the uh, puppet master, the puppet maker, or the puppet plusser would throw aside broken wood dolls, and she would hide them. Eventually she found her way, she could find her way to crawl a bit like a, you know, uh, like a, and she said, oh, I can crawl. I never would have realized this, uh, even without my strings, I crawl, you know, like a ground-based being. And she would get these wood dolls and she would actually use just a little bit of glue that she could find and glue them under her clothes to her body parts, uh, so they could be undetectable but just enough glue that if she needed to pull it out with her mouth, uh, she could. And she even learned to grip small things because her eyes would open and close. She did have control over her eyes and her eyelashes. Thank goodness, she would say. She would say, because she heard of many people in the audience as they were waiting for the show to start talking about gratitude. And almost every night she would say, well, I still have gratitude. I can shut my eyes and quit looking at you, stars and moon. Uh, don't bring me no, like, uh, whatever that wooden kid had. And she, she would say, so I'm shutting my eyes. And her eyelids were made of uh, wood, so it was nice for her. She didn't have to do, she actually worked. But eventually she she was ready uh, and she had found a way, practicing and practicing, to actually make like uh, make her own little thing. Like she made like connections so that she could put wood dowels and things, and that she could actually move herself, uh, like uh, be her own self marionetting uh, is what it was. And she took her time. This is over. Slow, quick, figuring out, okay, now I can move my foot. Uh, now I can, 
making myself stand up or sit down. And, uh, of course, uh, she got better and better at it. Now, what she did not know, oh, boy, was that puppet master still trying to figure things out. And the puppet master couldn't sleep because... uh, you know, ticket sales had plummeted, bookings were down, because uh, without that wooden boy, it was just really hard figuring it out. Now, the puppet master was, uh, you know, b- making breakthroughs, but still, compared to a boy that would sing, I'm a wooden boy, look at me, I'm so great, got no strings and all that. Uh, it was a tough sell, uh, but one night the puppet master happened to see her practicing and he clapped his hands in gleeful joy and that surprised wisteria because she thought she was alone but wisteria her mind was strong uh, because it had been forged you know with her rivalry with the moon and the stars uh, and uh, she, 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 she said oh i'm so happy uh you know i i, I wanted to be like that boy like uh they could dance and those kind of things. And, and, you know, to bring back the audience that I love performing for. So, and, you know, the puppet master was like, obviously like, uh, fool me once. Don't worry. Fool me twice puppets. And, uh, you know, I'll be in big trouble. So the puppet master did not want her to do the same thing, but he saw how her movements were much different than, the puppet boy, the wooden boy, she still was like uh, trying to learn and get better and develop it. Now she was so brilliant. She said, "Well, I'm going to have to need. I'm going to need a lot of time uh, to get this down. A lot of rehearsal time, probably on stage time." And uh, the, the puppet master said, "Okay, okay." And then she was always listening in the audience, and she had heard that this new thing w- was a way for other performers that went town to town to town to improve. They would have these, they called them VIP experiences. And so she told the puppet master about this. You just charge like a lot more than a ticket or a donation, and they get to have tea with the puppet or the performer. And he said, oh, with the puppet master and the performer, he said, well, maybe you could try out some, but I think uh, the idea of your child having tea with a, just a puppet with no strings or a self, uh, self, whatever, like a puppet, we'll, we'll just see. And so time went on and she was patient, you know, because, again, she knew that the moon always changed and always came back to mock her. And that kind of thing. And uh, so she was waiting and she said, one day I'm going to have this VIP experience uh, and I'm going to be able to do it. Uh, And then she got to this one town where they had an extended stay. It was a larger town and the town had very, uh, uh, it was stratified. It was like, it had very rich farmland uh, but the farmland was just owned by a few of these, like, uh, people that owned the farmland, and a lot of people just worked on it. And those people had, uh, like, a uh, living in the less fertile land, and, and it was a tale as old as time. 
and they worked for the landowners. And, and but this was a lot of land, like this is a large area. So even like the people that could afford these VIP experiences, they were booked night after night after night. And she would do the VIP experience where she would drink tea with adults or adults and their children, and she would sing a couple songs, and the puppet master was happy because it really helped uh, pay the bills. The puppet master said, "We could, well, yeah, well, this is going to be great. And actually, it was doing so well that she could tell the puppet master had started to think about other things, you know, uh, and other people were coming to the show and asking the puppet master about the innovation. So she knew the time was right uh, to, you know, they also said, well, how do you, like, uh, if you're going to have a sentient uh, uh, marionette, uh, the self-propelled sentient marionette, that sounds like a bad idea. And he had thought too much of himself. He thought most of the, he'd started to assume all the innovations were his. Now, meanwhile, a lot of times that uh, during these VIP experiences, you know, the, the some of the the the, uh, the per, per, what are those called the patriot members of the patriarchy, they thought they were too cool to to have tea with a marionette or that it was a gimmick. Uh, the papas, so they would let the children or the like, and they would just stand off on their own, uh, drinking ale and commenting or gossiping. Uh, but Wisteria, she heard it all, and uh, so she she one time she had heard uh, of this family. This was in the same town, uh, uh, Longblay. It was called Longblay. This is the same big town I was telling you about. And so in this big town, uh, you know, like I said, there's like there are different things. So, so they were making, kind of making fun of this uh, mother and her son that worked for this one landed, you know, whatever duke or earl or something. Oh boy, boy! Like, and I told them, no, blah, blah. And then they came and tried to sell their cow. Uh, this was another person who ran like the the livery or whatever. And I said, you cow, you know, it's not well-fed, blah, blah, blah. Sell it to some, maybe, like, uh, have it for dinner. And the boy said, well, no, no, we love the cow. We just want to, uh... And they said, nah, hit the road, kid. And then the kid had seen the thing, and, and, and then the, the, the wisteria said, oh, wait, I've seen that boy looking in from the outside of the tent, peering in. They said, then the boy came back the next day and said, they said, where's your cow? And the boy said, I traded it for these magic beans. And my mother's not happy. And she said, trade it for the, and they said, magic beans. Uh, you know, he traded it with, I don't know, some traveling wizard or witch or something. But Wisteria, she felt something inside her. She said, well, why this is a, uh, Worth looking into. I'm, I'm playing the long game. And uh, so then she saw the boy watching and she would make a symbol, like uh, she would t- like her try to make eye contact with the boy and try to get it. And it took many performances till the boy got the idea of to go around the side in between sets where she would change. She had to even change her own outfits at this point. 
And there was a couple semi-automic marionettes, but nothing like her. None of the other marionettes, uh, they were just more used to their roles uh, in the show. They, maybe they just didn't have, I don't know if they just didn't have the, quite the level of sentience uh, and the purpose. Uh, and they, so the boy would come and visit her, and she was just pleasant to the boy. And she said, well, this is like a VIP experience that those people have. I guess you don't get a VIP experience. Uh, and then she would even tell the boy, oh, you know, this is where, like, uh, puppet masters had too much ale, so there's still some food, and you can bring it home to you and your mom and your cow. And the boy said, well, how do you know I have a cow? And she said, you look like the kind of boy that would have a cow. And he said, well, I did, but I traded it. Uh, and she said, oh, what did you trade it for? And the boy said, magic beans. And she said, magic beans, interesting. Beings or beans? And she, he said, beans. And she said, like beans you eat? And the boy said, well, she said, don't eat the beans. Uh, she said, they're magic beans. And why wouldn't you trade a cow for magic beans? Don't eat them. Just use them. And she said, have you used them? And the boy said, no. And she said, well, what do you think they do? And the boy said, I don't know. My mother was very upset with me, and she tried to throw them. But uh, I'd actually had another bean. It was a little pebble in my pocket, too. So she threw that out, but it was just a pebble. And uh, Wisteria said, well, I'd like to see what this magic bean does. Uh, and the boy said, well, why? And uh, she said, because, well, just, you know, just, like she goes, because I usually recharge for this VIP experience. And she goes, maybe you could come each night and uh, uh, allot one magic bean, but you hold on to them for me. And each time I give you food and uh, things to bring home, you give me a magic bean. And the boy said, okay, so I owe you one bean. And she goes, well, no, no, no. The first bean, I want you to go out uh, somewhere deep in the woods and I want you to plant the bean, you know, to get some sunlight. She goes, you know a little bit about growth, right? And the boy goes, yeah, yeah. And she goes, I want you to water it, but I want you to make sure no one else, it's a place where no one else goes, uh, and see what happens. Uh, and the next night the boy came back and she said, he said, yeah, I planted the bean and, uh, and now I owe you one bean and the bean that's planted. And she said, yeah, yeah. And then the next night, the boy came back and I said, you wouldn't believe it, Wisteria, but the beans, have st the beans started to grow into a stalk. Uh, and she said, a, a, a stalk? And he goes, yeah, it's as high as me already. And she said, brilliant, brilliant. Uh, and she said, put twice as much water on it tonight and then go home and then come back, uh, check it in the you know, afternoon before you come to the show and let me know. And he he came back and he said it's grown like higher than I higher than the tree, and she goes okay okay, she goes okay I want you to plant another bean right next to it and then observe because uh, she asked him a lot of structural questions and that wasn't satisfactory, and she goes put tw tw twice as much water as it you put on it when you put twice as much water on it, and come back. And he said it grew twice as fast, and the other grew, other one 
it's a vine, I guess, uh, or a stalk vine. And she goes, it's probably a beanstalk. Uh, she goes, I think I heard someone talk about this tale years ago, magical beanstalk. Uh, and he goes, yeah, it's, now it's winding around the other one. And at this point, he ordered like five beans or six beans or something. And it just happened to be that the rumor was that the rainy season was coming. And she goes, okay, keep an eye on the weather. And when you suspect it's going to rain, I want you know, keep the beans with you. So one night she had dinner with the boy and gave him some food to take home. And he said, I think it's going to rain tomorrow. And she said, okay, like uh, right underneath the wagon that uh, all the puppets are in, I want you to, uh, she goes, there's a way that, the you know, the roof uh, drains the water right into this one spot. Uh, she goes, two feet from that spot where the water drains, uh, bury the beans, all of them, and then come and check it uh, and, like, like in the morning. And so the boy did it, and then he said, he came and he said, wisteria, wisteria, it's growing. And she said, well, make sure that you get tuck tuck it so that there's a little bit of it getting sunlight but most of it's under the under the wagon and he said okay okay and then it was sunny for most of the day till the afternoon and it started to rain and oh did it rain and in an instant these beanstalks started to grow and just as wisteria wanted it swept up wisteria Inside the uh, inside the wagon, and it swept the wagon up, uh, and it grew and grew and grew up up through the clouds, so that when suddenly it was sunny above the clouds, which she said, "This is going to keep this thing growing." And some of the other puppets, not all the other puppets, a lot of them, uh, like because they didn't have, they weren't atomic marionettes. They, you know. We're on the ground, we'll say. And she could even hear the yelling and the disbelief. Uh, she could feel people shaking on the, the vine. But again, because it had grown above the clouds and it was raining, but it was also sunny for this vine, it was getting thicker and thicker and thicker. But she said to herself, soon this uh, puppeteer is going to come. And she said, this is fine. Like she goes, I finally know my purpose. Uh, she goes, uh, I'm going to get the moon and the stars, and I'm going to teach them, uh, you know, a lesson. And uh, so she started to think about uh, a few things. One, how she was going to, she said, sooner or later, this puppet master is going to try to climb up here and uh, find me and find the thing or pay someone to come up. Uh, so she said, I have to think fast. But she said, oh, moon, am I going to catch you? Oh, boy. So the first thing she did was she said, I'm going to need a few days. So she said a couple things because the the, uh, the wagon or the cart or the thing she was on was kind of tipped uh, from where it would sit on the ground to vertical, and she could adjust it to living in that space. But so the door was facing down open. 
So the first thing she did was uh, close the door, and she she said, "Oh well, uh, uh, the, the 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 one of the things the puppeteer would like to to do was uh, like he had like he had a show, and he liked to do this thing called uh, bowling or something with this big round stone." And then the little stone, and you tried to get it, roll it close to it. So she put the bowling ball right on the the door. And then she actually crawled out the window, which now uh, was still a window. And she said she could use it to climb in and out, and she climbed down. And she hung a string from the doorknob. And now a string up up there in the atmosphere, you couldn't really see it uh, because of the sun and things and the moon. But the string hung down about 15 feet, and she hung a bell from that uh, so she would get a w- warning. And then she put another string on the doorknob on the inside. And so uh, the first thing she did was, uh, you know, not that night. So that night she started to, you know, look at the moon and the stars and say, don't worry, tomorrow this thing's going to grow, this beanstalk, and uh, I'm going to grow it in your direction. And uh, then she she would try, like, uh, so she started to climb as high as she could, and she would eventually reach the, the thing. And because she was a sentient, she'd learned a lot. Uh, she started to use more strings and, like, uh, anything she could find, like, uh, to, to pull. Like, what she would do is, like, to the tip of that night's growth, she would tie the, as many strings around as she could. And then she would go down and she would just barely put a bend and she would tie it off on the beanstalk so it was starting to grow more towards the moon. Now, after a few nights, she learned that the moon was moving. Also, after a few nights, the bell had rung and uh, the bowling ball had fallen and, and it ended up with someone that hired, the uh, puppet master had hired and then the next time it came, but she just had the 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 the, the piece of uh, iron that the puppet master used to iron their clothes and their outfits for all the other puppets. And that uh, then it took a few more nights, and then the puppet master was the one, and she heard him yelling, and the iron glanced off him, and he went back down howling, but not uh, she knew he would be back. And so she was in a constant race with the moon, but she was growing closer and closer to the moon. And she said, don't worry, moon, you're not going to outpace me. Because she started to take notes and she realized, oh, no, the moon moves across the sky every single night now, trying to stay away from me. Because before this, uh, the moon had been static uh, and it just changed. It phased in and out. uh, but now it had begun to travel. And then she tried the same thing with the stars. And she also, also, one thing you would want to know is that she developed a strong relationship with this beanstalk. Uh, she would talk to it. She would be loving towards it. Uh, and uh, she said, she's you're kind of like, uh, like in my own string. And, like, eventually what happened with the puppet master was there was one more time 
the puppet master came up, but she had put all of the clothes uh, with glue on the clothes. Uh, and then she put wet cloths on the glue uh, on the door. So when the door opened, uh, first the clothes fell. The glue was on the underside of the clothes. The wet cloths caused the clothes to flip, but slowly separated. And those landed on the... Um, and the puppet master and the puppet master actually traveled from the bean beanstalk to a big farm in the sky. And she said, okay, well, I have to figure out where she goes. She goes, now, if I think like these humans do, these VIPs, uh, sooner or later, they're going to try to, um, like do something to the beanstalk. And so she talked to the beanstalk. She said, I have to come up with a plan. And she said, what am I going to do? I'm trying to get the moon and the stars. But she goes, I have time for that as long as I have this beanstalk. I'll figure out getting the stars and the moon. So she said, I'll have to climb back down and find the boy and uh, get to the bottom of it. So she climbed back down and she found the boy. And uh, the boy was, like, down there sleeping. And he said, oh, Wisteria, Wisteria, like, I was wondering... uh, I've been keeping watch uh, over this ever since it grew away because uh, you're my provider, and I hadn't had anything to eat uh, since then, and I kept coming back and waiting, and I knew you'd come. Oh, I knew you'd come, Wisteria. And she said, well, you're my puppet now, I see, but I'm not going to treat you like the puppet master did. And the boy said, what do you mean? And she said, don't worry about it. She goes, we'll have to find a way to get you some food. She goes, I want you to go into town. And uh, she goes, I want you to go to the barrister's office. He goes, what's a barrister? She goes, like a representative of the laws of the land. And she goes, go to a few of them and ask them to say, well, I want you to be, like, are, are you look for someone that seems uh, a little bit like you, young, hungry, but keen in the eye. Not, she goes, you know how your eyes, uh, you kind of, you kind of, uh, you, you focus on something, and then you don't focus on something. And he goes, yeah, kind of. When I stare at myself in the mirror sometimes. And she goes, yeah, look for someone that's like uh, eagle-eyed, bird-eyed. He goes, okay. And she goes, tomorrow night, uh, you know, when you, when you find that person, say, are you looking for a, a client that could change the course of your life. Uh, and uh, she goes, bring them to me. And they don't have to be younger, but uh, they have to be hungry and bird-eyed. And he said, okay. And actually, the next night she came back down, and there was, he had found two of them uh, from two separate things. And they they were actually debating one another about something. And uh she said, oh, good, good, good. Uh, you found even two. And she goes, well, you two you seem to be discussing things. Do you think you could work together? And they said, work together how? And she goes, hey, she goes, this is the situation. She goes, this is a powerful. They go, are you a sentient, the, the, the famous? And she goes, yeah, don't, don't get it twisted. Don't get caught up on it. Yes, I'm a self-propelled marionette. Uh, and I'm sentient. I've been sentient. Uh, and she goes, this is the beginning of everything. And she goes, this beanstalk uh, goes up in the sky 
for miles and miles and miles. Uh, and then they said, what about you? And they said, she said, you can, you can decide now if the two of you can work together and trust me or if only one of you can work together with me and trust me. Or if none of you can, I don't really care. This is an opportunity, and I'm looking for whoever's going to take me up on it. And they both did. They said, yes, we can tell you're serious. Uh, And she goes, here's what we need to do. She goes, this boy here, he's in possession of still some magic beans that caused this thing to grow. You, one of you needs to establish, you know, the chain of custody, where he got the beans from, that it was illegal, and that this beanstalk is his property. The other one of you needs to figure out the property situation and make a partnership with the owner of this property. And he said, oh, that's, uh, you know, famous, uh, famous fairs productions, uh, uh, they're they're actually like a like a, a client of a, you know Mr. Series Paints or something, and she said we need to make sure this beanstalk does not get torn down, and also you need to come up with a fair but equitable uh, you know working relationship for the four of us. Uh, she goes for me. I will retain possession of this actual beanstalk as long as it stays in. You know that it's working and all that. Don't try anything crafty. The three of you will derive your income from the beans from this beanstalk, which are magical beans. Uh, and you know we'll have to come up with a system. You know you can't sell more than one. Or we'll find a way. She goes, obviously, we've got a magical beanstalk. There's unlimited ways we can make uh, money and pay off. Uh, the loan will need to purchase this land. Or we could purchase it as a part of another partnership, though they won't have any voting power. And they said, you're brilliant. Uh, we'll, we'll get on it and it'll be done. Uh, and she said, I'll return, but, you know, I'm going to be very busy. I'll return to make sure. And she goes, believe me, I'm up there. And I've got very good aim, so this is all on above board. Uh, it's a win, 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 win. And they said, for sure, this sounds wonderful. And they meant it. So they headed off, uh, and she goes, by the way, also this boy needs to be fed and his mother and housed, uh, and I expect the two of you to float that uh, as part of your investment in this other than goodwill. And they said, we like this kid. He's great. Uh and they, she said, wow, he's got good judgment at least. And she went up, and they did not, not try anything, and they fulfilled their end of the bargain. And what happened was that the Beanstalk, actually, they still kept the theater. And the Beanstalk did really, you know, its wit stopped growing at an extreme rate. Uh, and they would have these theater performances nearby. Uh, but the, the Beanstalk was protected, and children weren't allowed to play on it. And the the two barristers or whatever they're called and the boy and his mother. And the boy and his mother were taken care of. They just had passive income. And the boy actually got to work with uh, with them. They determined that it would be best not to sell the magic beans because then it would reduce the worth of the, um, the beanstalk. And they told that to Wisteria and said, you can't. We've got to figure out a way to harvest the beans and get rid of them. 
And uh, she said, well, don't they have to? It doesn't have to be another bean. And they said, oh, yeah, this is the only one. We'll just never plant another one. And she said, yeah, and if we need to figure that out, uh, she goes, oh, well, what I'll do is I can harvest them and feed them to birds before they're ready to, like, then they won't bother the birds. So we figured that out. And soon she actually became friends with a bunch of birds. So that This was over a years and years period. Again, trying to get the moon, but the moon started moving. And the stars, she noticed, moved slower every night. But she became friends with these birds, and she even tried, like, using the birds to get to the moon. But she realized, like, uh, that the uh, as much as she tried to move and as much as the beanstalk grew, it never quite got to the moon never quite got to the stars, and they were all just moving a little bit out of her way. But on the journey up, uh, no, oh, they were, like, harvesting, like, a lot of the greenery, and actually, like, uh, they would hire people that would climb the beanstalk to a limited area and, you know, take out, like, do trimming. So it was, like, a constant source of lumber. So it was very like like it was sustainable living for everybody involved. Not ultra wealth, just enough uh, to make everybody happy. And she would come down and she would check in with the boy and the, and the, and the barristers and everything. They all became friends, and uh, eventually they realized what she was doing, and they would check in with her and say, "Well, how, have you caught the moon yet?" Uh, she'd say, "No, it's." Uh, it's too, and, and it took her years and years, and she eventually said, wait a second, like, uh, she didn't realize the futility because it wasn't futile, because she, she, she was doing this, and she was chasing the moon, and she was chasing the stars, but she'd also, like, innovated, uh, like, constantly, when she was trying to figure out, how am I going to get the moon tonight, uh, she would think, like, well, if I just had this this new stuff they call steel, like I wouldn't need these strings way above my head. I could just move. Uh, and then she said, if I, if I had these springs I've been hearing about, uh, I, would, I, I could even move faster. So soon, before she even realized it, uh, she was moving better than the wooden boy. And uh, she would reinforced some of her body wooden parts with metal parts and She'd found ways to keep it, like, she mostly stayed above the cloud line anyway. But she became waterproof, and and, uh, so she no longer needed strings. But she had long, that had long passed. Uh, She didn't know it yet. Not only that, she had developed these skills of, like, uh, like a relationship with a beanstalk or crows or raptors, uh, it, t- it takes a keen mind, and it takes a patient mind. And that's when she returned. She finally said, I'm returning to the earth now. And they said, what will you do? And, and she d- developed a strong relationship with the boy. His mother had gone on to live in the big farm, but also with these two other barristers. And uh, she said, we're going to work together uh and she, she said, we're going to take some of this. Because they said, well, you know, when she goes, I know what interest is. And they said, well, you haven't touched any of your part of the business. And she said, yeah, I'm starting a union for sentient marionettes. And they said, for what? Uh, 
And she said, I don't know yet, uh, other, you know, to, 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 to represent them in the rights. Uh, and they said, well, we could do it for other. Uh, and they, she said, yes, let's get started there. And that's how Wisteria became one of the greatest organizers of, uh, of marionettes. Uh, you know, was it her, that encounter with the wooden boy. The wooden boy didn't do anything for her but make her really upset with the moon and the stars and moon and the stars didn't really do anything for, her, but they inspired her to work hard and to innovate. Uh, but the innovations didn't really, they, they, they took her to a place uh, that didn't really go anywhere either. And uh, in the end she said, wait a second, uh, this is what I want to do now. So that's just an interesting tale from Vendleton. Uh, I'm D.D., Dr. D.D., if you wish. Uh, and I'll probably be reporting to you again in a few months. It was nice meeting you. Good night.